Are you ready to get into the Word? I've got a good Word for you. Why don't you stand to your feet? We honor the reading of God's Word. Two verses we're going to read today as we open. Of course, we have our theme verse. This is since January of this year. We've been reading this, declaring this, praying this every week. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 19, if we can bring that up. Our custom is we read this together. We're believing for the Lord to uh, uh, really release this in the body and in our lives. And so, are you ready to read it together? Here we go. One, two, three. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You're citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. One more. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. And I want you to turn with me to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. We're going to begin at verse 16. This is in the Bible app. If you use the Bible app, you can go under events, more and events, and then you'll see my notes and my points and everything there. John Chapter 14 and verse 16, I'm reading out of the New King James Version. The words of Jesus, he says, I will pray the Father and he will send you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. Now watch this, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Let's ask the helper, the Holy Spirit, to come and to just inhabit this place and to speak on in this word and speak into our lives this morning. Come on, let's invite him. Lord, we just thank you for your word and we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are a helper, you are a teacher, you are a guide, an instructor, a corrector, a convictor. And God, I'm asking that you would move and minister in each and every one of us today, that your word would accomplish all that you desire it to. And so, Lord, we just commit this time to you give us eyes to see and ears to hear in a heart that perceives what your spirit is speaking we pray today in the mighty powerful name of Jesus and everybody say amen you may be seated I began last week by sharing about a couple different baptisms that we as a church believe in. In fact, that's what our whole series, we're calling it First Steps. Uh, and it's kind of twofold. Uh, uh, what my desire is, is this sermon series, I'm actually turning into a book that we're going to give to, uh, to our guests and to individuals who are just being saved that essentially is what do we as a church believe and what are things that are important for us as Christians to believe. You understand that, you know, we adhere pretty strongly to certain things. And, and I understand you guys, most of you, in fact, I know everybody in this place within the last year has come into a new church and probably has wondered, what do these guys believe about this? 
You know what I'm talking about. I, I know that because we've barely been meeting for a year. We started last September, and so, uh, you know, a few of us were a part of a Bible study that we started earlier than that, but most of us are pretty new, and, and most of us, maybe you're still getting to learn, well, what does this church believe about healing? What does this church believe about the Bible? What do we believe about Jesus? Do we believe that other churches uh, also honor the Lord, even if they don't worship the way that we do? And these are some of the things that we're talking about. I've, I've shared some of those that are incredibly important to us. Uh, uh, for example, we believe the Bible is very important. We believe that this is the inspired Word of God. We believe that these are not just random thoughts that have been assembled over thousands of years, but that the Lord was intentional in inspiring the writers, and what is here is authoritative and it's accurate. We believe that Jesus is the only name by which man can be saved. We don't believe that there are many paths to heaven. Now, there are many churches that maybe have a, you know, a different set of beliefs around certain things, but here's what matters to me. If, you know, if you're a Catholic who desperately loves Jesus... You're my brother. You're my sister. If you're a Methodist who loves Jesus, you're my brother. You're my sister. If you're a, I don't know, I mean, you know, there's a few exceptions that are there, but if you are somebody who thinks that everybody's going to make it into heaven, if you're of the Oprah faith and you say, no, all paths lead to heaven, we're going to disagree on that one, friend. You understand what I'm saying? And so we're talking about a number of things. Last week I talked about why we believe in baptism by immersion. We talked about what it is to be immersed into the body of Christ. And I began a conversation about the Holy Spirit and what it is to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I rejoiced because we heard several testimonies of individuals who were baptized in the Spirit for the first time in their lives, spoke in other tongues, and experienced the power of God on their life. And, uh, and I praise Jesus for that. And, you know, we, we contend for that sort of thing. But I want to talk about three different and distinct relationships that we have, that you and I have with the Holy Spirit. We're going to kind of build on this idea. And so I, I want you to say this with me. Holy Spirit in me. Holy Spirit with me, and Holy Spirit through me. These are three distinct relationships. In fact, you'll notice in the verse that we read as we opened up, Jesus mentioned two of them at the end. He says, I'm sending you another helper, the Spirit of truth. He dwells with you, and he dwells, and he will be in you. With you and in you. Now, you'll notice I added a third one through you, and, and I'm going to explain that to you in just a moment. This is very important for us to understand what I'm talking about because there are denominations, some of which I would call brothers and sisters, who say you must speak in tongues in order to be born again. You must speak in tongues or receive the baptism of the Spirit in order to be born again. Now, I'm just going to come right out the gate and say I don't believe that. I don't believe that. In fact, I think it's dangerous to make a statement like that. What are you going to do with Jonathan Edwards? What are you going to do with John West? What are you going to do with a majority of the foundational revivalists in our history and in our nation who looked at Pentecost a little differently than we do? 
I believe with all of my heart, in fact, I'll never forget the threat that my spiritual father, Steve Hill, made to me as I sat across the room from him and we were getting ready to move into pastoral ministry. He told me, Jacob, if you ever stop being Pentecostal, we will not be friends. And he was serious, man. He was not joking. This was not a, you know, like a a competitive sort of thing. No, he was absolutely serious. And uh, to this day, I mean, he's joined that great cloud of witnesses. And I I, I feel his eyes peering down at me sometimes. I'm going to be Pentecostal till the day I die because I want Pastor Steve to be my friend. Hallelujah. And so um, what do you do with verses like this? This is where some people get, get challenged. Well, why, Pastor? How, why do some people believe that we uh, need to be baptized in the Spirit in order to be saved? Well, here's one verse in Matthew. Uh, I'm sorry, Romans chapter eight and verse nine. It says, "You are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit. If you have the Spirit of God living in you, and remember, those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all." If you don't have the Spirit of God in you, you don't belong to Him at all. It's verses like this that some would say, well, of course then, I need to be filled with the Spirit and I need to speak with other tongues because that's the evidence of being filled with the Spirit. And uh, if I'm going to be saved, you, you see where some people could maybe make that. Here's what I want you to recognize. There are distinct relationships that we have with the Holy Spirit. The first one is the Holy Spirit in me. Everybody say, Holy Spirit in me. This is, I believe this happens the moment you are born again. The moment that you make that profession of faith and you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who came to this earth and died for your sins and rose again and has given eternal life to all who would receive that wonderful free gift. The moment that faith comes alive in your heart, you receive in you the Spirit of God. What begins to happen, and we've all experienced this. If you've been born again, you certainly know what those moments of conviction feel like. Anybody ever feel the conviction of the Holy Ghost? I should not have said that to my wife. Hallelujah. I should not have responded to my mom that way. Right? We all know what this feels like. Uh, We have that moment where uh, you're driving down the road and you see a police officer off to the side and you notice that you're seven miles over the speed limit. I don't know if that's fear of the law or if that's conviction of the Holy Ghost, but we've all experienced that, haven't we? We all have these moments where the Holy Spirit begins to, to work in us. And I want you to understand, that's exactly what the function of the Spirit in you is. He is in you to work on you. He's in you to minister to you. He's in you to say, hey, this is right, this is wrong. Hey, this is my will. This is not my will. These are people you should be around. These are people you should not be around. It's a constant fellowship that you and I get to share with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is in you to work on you. You got it? Now, the second relationship we have with the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit, uh, the Holy Spirit with me. Everybody say, Holy Spirit with me. Now, Acts 1.8 says, you shall receive power. 
Everybody say power. power. Everybody say it like it's got some power. Everybody say power. There you go. And uh, he says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Same thought. Acts chapter 2. We see the prophetic word of Jesus fulfilled. It says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind. It filled the house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. And one sat upon each of them. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak with other, other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This is so powerful, friend. You'll notice, you take these two verses, one was the fire of God came upon them. Holy Spirit is in us to work on us. But there is this moment where we receive power from the Holy Spirit. And let me just tell you, that power is not for you. That power, this is where we get messed up, man. That power, Jesus said, is the power to be a witness. You'll notice that the gifts of the Spirit, when they're in operation, they're not for our benefit. They're for ministry to other people. This is where God equips us and empowers us to do something for somebody else that needs it. This is the moment where, yeah, we get saved and Holy Spirit begins to work in us, but quickly the Lord begins to do something in us where he says, this isn't just for you. My presence on your life is not just for you to, to, to feel warm and fuzzy inside. And, uh, you know, we get selfish coming to church, don't we? So often we come in this, and I'm not going to make you feel bad about this. Uh, I understand. We come here to be filled. We come here to be encouraged. And I think church should be that way. I, I won't condemn you for that any more than a gas station attendant would condemn you for going to fill up your car for gas. What? You ran out of gas already? Weren't you here just last week? No, it's wonderful. Come to church. Get filled up. I want you to. But we must be mindful that we don't just get filled up for us. We are supposed to be a light. We're supposed to be a witness. We're supposed to be a testimony to a world that desperately needs it. Now, you say, Pastor, do I really need that? If I've received the Spirit of God and I know I'm going to heaven, well, let me just remind you that Jesus in Matthew 3 was baptized and the bible says when jesus came out of the water the heavens were open and the spirit of god descended like a dove and rested upon him now we know the spirit was in him because another one the very next chapter in fact luke chapter 4 luke chapter 4 jesus was filled with the spirit and he returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. You just pay attention to the verbiage here. Spirit in you is leading you. Spirit on you is empowering you. Then Jesus returned in the power, verse 14, of the Spirit. And news of him went throughout the surrounding region. Now let me just point this out to you. If Jesus Christ, 
the sinless Son of God, God in the flesh, felt that it was necessary for him to receive the power of the Holy Ghost on his life before he began his public ministry. How many of you think it would be a good idea that we also receive power before we try and do anything for the Lord? If Jesus needed it, you and I need it. In fact, Jesus, he commissioned his disciples. And, and you'll remember that he told them, you go and you tarry, you wait in the upper room until you are endued with power from on high. He says, wait before you go. I'm going to give you power. The power to be a witness. Now, I'm going to share a story. And... Uh, It's about my wife, so I waited till she got out the room. She's going to get the breakfast set up right now. But I'll never forget this moment. My wife and I, we were engaged at the time. And I had a wonderful, I had a wonderful mentor. We were a part of a, a powerful church, revival church. I mean, this was the kind of church where, you know, every Saturday night they'd have Holy Ghost meetings, and it was like a battlefield in the, in the altars. You ever been in a service like that? Holy Ghost is breaking out. We saw miracles. We saw one couple that was healed of, of HIV, AIDS. I mean, we saw tremendous, tremendous working of God in that church. And, uh, and I was working. I was being mentored by the pastor of that church. And I'll, I'll never forget this time where I introduced Leah as my fiancé. And he asked us, he says, we've got a special guest speaker, a revivalist who's coming in from Argentina this weekend. And, uh, and he says, I want you guys to be a part of the prayer team. We're like, wow, okay. And, and I was excited about that. Um, one thing that you just, you, you'd never believe about my wife. She is bold. She is strong. She is, uh, I mean, she's a mighty woman of God. But she wasn't like that when I first met her. She was timid. She was, she was afraid. She did not want to read the Bible with me or pray with me because she was, she was afraid in moments like that. I don't, I don't know if she was intimidated or, or, or what it was, but she just she didn't want to do that. And so I remember we were driving that night to that revival meeting. And I reminded her, I said, now you remember, Pastor Steve asked us to be a part of the prayer team tonight. And she's like, I'm not going to do that. I'm like, but we were asked to, uh, uh, and, uh, and, and we ended up going into this, what, what ended up being a huge fight, and I ended up telling her, I'm like, how in the world are we going to be married? How are we going to move into ministry? How are we going to preach, and how are we going to hold evangelistic meetings? How are we going to do this ministry that God is calling us to if you won't even stand next to me when I pray? I was upset. I remember it was, it was the worst fight that we'd ever been to in that, up, up, to, up to that time. And, and, and I remember uh, we were seriously considering, man, maybe we just ought to break this off. If we can't even pray together, maybe we shouldn't be together. So I'll never forget, we get to the, to the prayer time, and, uh, and they call for all of the prayer workers to come and to begin to minister in the altars. And so I go up, she refuses. I'm down in the altars, and I don't know what's going on at this time because she's in the crowd, and I'm, I'm down, and I'm praying for people. And I'll never forget, Pastor Steve gets up behind the pulpit, and he says, God is in this place right now. 
If you have something that you desire of the Lord, ask him. Make your need known right now. And so Leah, maybe I'll have her share this story sometime with you. Leah was sitting in the, in the crowd, and she prays in that moment, God, if you want me to be married to Jacob, you need to confirm it tonight. Pastor Steve, in that very moment, picks up the microphone again, and he says, be specific with God. And she's like, okay. God, if you want me to be married to Jacob, I want you to confirm it through the pastor's wife, Jerry. I want you to speak it through her. And she prayed that prayer, and she was just so so sure that nothing was going to happen. But as she finishes her prayer, and she looks up, she sees... Jerry walk up to me and she said she can read her lips from across the room where's Leah and so I I look out and right around that time pastor Steve and this this great evangelist uh, um, Hector Ferreira was his name uh, pastor Steve they come right up to us right at the same time Jerry does where's Leah And I look out into the crowd, and I see her standing towards the back of the room, and I say, there she is, and and I motion for her to come, and she does. She begins to walk down the aisle. Now, she tells the story. She talks about this moment where she felt like she had tunnel vision, where everything just kind of honed in, the volume of the music, uh, the people around her, all she could see, it was like the glory of God upon Jerry Hill as she began to walk down there to the altar. She grabs the hand of Leah and introduces her to the evangelist and says, this is Jacob's fiance, Leah. Would you pray for them right now? He begins to speak. He only speaks Spanish. He begins to speak in in Spanish. and, And in that moment, Leah's like, oh, no, 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 I don't speak Spanish. He just looks at her and smiles. And then he blows on her. And I watch, it's one of the wildest things I've ever seen, friend. My wife, who is standing about right here, fly back through the air to probably the fourth or fifth row back here. Supernatural. No way. He didn't even touch her. Nobody touched her. She couldn't jump that far back if she tried. The power of God came upon her in that moment. Now, I share that story. Because I was taught that when the power of God comes on you, it comes for a reason. It comes for a purpose. I think we as Pentecostals, sometimes we get in the habit of, I need a touch from God. I need a word from God. I need the anointing. I need to feel the goosebumps. I need to laugh in the spirit. I need to fall on the ground. We, we're wonderful with experiences, and I love experiences, friend. I think we need to experience God. I think an encounter with God is what so many are desperately looking for in this day and age. I contend for experiences with God. But why I want to challenge you is when God touches you, it's for a reason. It's for a purpose. And so I, I watched as my wife was, was shaken under the power of God, laying there on the ground. And, and after, you know, we went back on with the service and praying for other people. And at the end of the night, probably an hour or two after that, I mean, we prayed for a long time that night. God did wonderful things. Remember, we get into the car. And we sit down as we're getting ready to drive back to our college campus. And 
And I turned to Leah. You remember, I, we've not shared a word since we had this horrible fight, by the way. And I turned to her. She's still shaking. As the power of God is still moving through her physical body. And I remember I asked her, do you mind telling me uh, what God did tonight? And she said, I believe that all the fear, all the reservation that I had about praying with you, about studying with you, about being alongside you in the ministry, I believe that God tonight burned all of that out. Now, I've grown very gracious, but I was not very gracious at that time. I look at her and I say, prove it. Pray for me right now. And for the first time in our relationship, she had prayed for me many times behind closed doors, I know. But for the first time together, we prayed with one another. And it's moments like this where I, where I realize that when God touches us, it's not just so that she could get hit by the power of God and feel his presence. No, she looked inwardly and realized, no, this is what God is doing for me. And it's empowering me to do what God has called me to do, to walk alongside you and to pray. That's, that, friend, is the Holy Spirit through you. That's Holy Spirit through you. We have Holy Spirit in us to work on us. We have Holy Spirit upon us. And it's the power to be a witness. But there are so many that receive the power and never step into that last phase where we actually allow the Holy Spirit to minister through us. I want to challenge each and every one of you. Yes, we're going to pray and we're going to seek to be filled and to be, to be touched and to be anointed and to be baptized and overwhelmed by the power of God. We all need experiences like that. But what I want to challenge us with today is when those moments come, when His anointing comes, when a word comes alive and it grips our heart, why is God touching us? Why is God speaking to us? It's so that He can allow His presence and His power and His glory to minister through us. I want to welcome the worship team. I'm, I'm coming to a close. We're going to commission some people in just a moment. I just want to remind you because some of you sitting here today you might be thinking to yourself well pastor jacob i you don't know what i'm coming out of right now you don't know how broken i am you don't know my marriage is a mess i still i'm just i'm not ready for that can i just tell you you're never going to be ready you will never be ready for all that God wants you to move into. In fact, I think that's part of the way God gets glory over our life. Is he always asks us to do things that are bigger than us. That are harder than what we're able to do. It's going to cost more than we can afford. He always asks us to do things that are bigger than us. Look around this church. I, this is an evidence that God is able to do bigger things than what I'm able to do, than what you're able to do. It's only the grace of God. I want to remind you about a couple individuals in the Bible. Did you know that the very first person that Jesus revealed himself as Messiah to 
It wasn't even the disciples. It was a woman, a Samaritan, someone who was despised by the people of Jesus. You think racism just came up this? No, this was a big deal back then. They're not our people. They're of a different ethnicity. The disciples didn't even want to go and didn't want to minister. Jesus chose to reveal himself to a woman of a different race before anybody else. She had this perception that this is a, this is a prophet of God. And what's amazing is this is the first woman whom Jesus releases to be an evangelist for his namesake. Do you guys know about this woman? In addition to the things that I've already shared about her, part of the reason she knew that Jesus was a prophet was because he exposed the fact that she was a five-time adulterer. And she was even right at that moment living with somebody she was not married to. And Jesus said, Go, tell everybody about what I've done for you. Go, tell everybody he commissioned her to be a witness to be a light to be a messenger for him I want you to think about that i don't know what your story is i don't know if you're right now in the midst of a horrible sinful mess it does not disqualify you from the lord using you you hear me today there's another individual oh this one this one gets me i can't even tell you the name of this person the only name that is given to this guy in the bible is demoniac why because when he encounters jesus he is possessed by most scholars believe around two thousand demons he's naked living in the tombs cutting himself crying out at night individuals try and restrain him they chain him up just to try and, and and keep control over him but this demonic power so overwhelms him at time that he's literally able to break those chains and he's a madman i'm telling you if we saw this guy today he'd be in a mental hospital far worse than anybody you see walking the streets here today i promise you he has one encounter with the power of God. By the time individuals come and there's people from the nearby village, they come and they see this man. And the Bible says by the time they get there, he's sitting there clothed and he's in his right mind. Pay attention. He asks Jesus, can I be one of your disciples? Can I go with you and be one of your disciples? You know what Jesus says? You know? He says, no. What? He says, you're ready. Go and tell everybody what I've done for you. What are you, you saying, Pastor? He didn't have to become a member of a church. He, he didn't even get baptized yet. He, he didn't, uh, you know, whatever. He didn't dis complete the, the, the discipleship track. You know, how, how is it that Jesus released him? Guys, sometimes we just need to receive what God has done and go and tell. Uh, that guy didn't know how to quote one scripture. Not one. But he received an encounter from Jesus. And he went that day to go and declare 
what God was able to do. Uh, there's more I could share about the history in that, but what I'm praying today is that we would all step into a boldness that where God opens the opportunity for us will be a witness. We'll be a light. I'm not asking if you're ready to sign up for discipleship. I'm not asking you to join a life group or to do. I'm not asking you to do anything. Do you know Jesus? If you know Jesus, he's asked you to be a witness. He's asked you to tell others. You may not know how to present the gospel, but you can tell people, I was depressed and Jesus touched me and now I'm happy. I was hopeless and headed for hell, but the Lord touched me. Now I have saving faith. You, you may not know how to put into words, but you can tell your story, friend. What I'm going to ask you to do is, is a very simple response today. If you are willing to say, Pastor Jacob, I will be a witness for the Lord. As the Lord asks me, what he puts in my heart, I will obey. If that be you, I want you to stand to your feet right now. This is a declaration and this is a sign. I will be a witness for him. If God could use the demonized man, if he could use a five-time adulterer, if he could use those 12 rebellious rejects, I'm, I'm, I promise you he can use you. Nobody here is as far gone as those guys. We just lift our hands to heaven right now. Oh, hallelujah. Lord, these who stand before me right now are standing as a declaration that we will be a witness. We will be light in darkness. We will be salt in the earth. Jesus, I'm asking today that you would use my brothers and sisters all across this room, I don't know where they stand with you, Lord. Some of them may be as demonized as that demoniac. Some of them may be as broken and away from you as that five-time adulterous woman. But I'm asking, Lord, no matter what our background, no matter what our brokenness, no matter what our sin, Lord, that you would use us for your glory and for your namesake. That, Holy Spirit, you would come in us and you would come upon us and that you would move through us. And Lord, for your glory and for your namesake, that you may be made known and made famous in the earth. We're asking Jesus that you would use us, that you would fill us, that you would anoint us, and that you would send us for your glory and for your namesake, mighty God. Oh, Jesus, would you fill us would you touch us? Would you anoint us in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus? Oh, we ask it, Lord. Oh, we ask it, Lord. Come on, some of you right now, you got, you, you got just, you know, sin just popping up in your mind. You can't be used because you got this in your life. You can't be used because you got this in your life. Lay it before the Lord. Ask him to forgive you. The devil may be trying to condemn you. All you got to do is turn it right back in his face. 
bring it under the blood of Jesus and you'll know that it's dealt with. Jesus, I ask you to cleanse us of all sin and unrighteousness in the mighty name of Jesus. God, those things that trip us up and hold us back, we lay them before you right now. And we ask you to help us. We ask you to set us free. We ask you to minister in our lives in Jesus' name.